Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my Mad Grab for Power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. That's really the best part right there. The awesome discussions from fans just like them. So is it the discussions or is it the fans? Or is it the the combo discussions from fans? Yeah, the awesome discussions from fans. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's it's truly it is truly true, and I am back here again from my echoey cavern of my new home office here in Canada, <laughs> the caves of Canada, <laughs> the Verona caves. Doing my best here. I got to get a rug. That's the thing. I got to get a rug. Why you're not balding? Oh, for I've the seen floor. some really excellent TikToks of really good toupees. Really, like you're, you're incredible you're, 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 toupees. You're on toupee talk. <laughs> I'm not sure how, but it's really <laughs> wow. very impressive what they can do these days. That's crazy. Huh? Yeah. I have not seen a single toupee TikTok. I, I think maybe it's because I like everyone has a, different a lot TikTok. of hair talk tutorials mm, okay. and things like yeah. that. So that might be it. That but might be anyway, it. do we need a name for our fans? Ooh. I mean, we've been doing this a long time. I'm going to need some, um, some ideas for that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Send us your, heard, yeah. your, your okay, yeah. feedback at swordandlaser.com. What do you want to be called? <laughs> Coyote Brown in the chat says lems. Tomahome says swords and lasers. I guess we kind of are swords and lasers. Our, our in a way. armories. Because <laughs> of the sword and laser. Mm. <laughs> Not your best work. Armorers. Like they arm us. It's hard to say. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's go. Are you drinking anything tonight, Tom? No, you'd think I was, but I'm not. <laughs> I am drinking a um, a Russell Brewing Company uh, pumpkin pie milkshake IPA. Pumpkin pie milkshake IPA. That's a lot. That's a lot of things in one drink. It's a lot of things happening. Yeah, mm. they're they're a local brewery. Nice. Um, and I like this one. Yeah, I I also bought their. Uh, they had a peach hefeweizen for the summer. Not as good. Just not peach. my favorite. Not was it peach lemonade? Beach refreshing. It should have been like maybe creamsicle. That would have yeah, I feel like creamsicle, creamsicle would have fit in. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah creamsicle hefeweizen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So peach I, lemonade, I'm enjoying creamsicle it. hefeweizen would have fit with uh, pumpkin pie milkshake IPA. <laughs> Russell Brewing, you can have that one for free for next season. Yeah, there you go. Take it, do it. Yeah. Uh, do we need a crow update? It's now oh, a good yes, time for yes. a crow update. Uh, before we get to the quick birds, what, what's up with your crows? Okay. So they've been, um, so for those who hadn't been listening recently, I have been attempting to befriend local crows. Um, it's something I've wanted to do for, you know, a decade. And I've just, I I wasn't able to connect regularly with any regular murders in San Francisco. Um, and so (laughs) I realize how that sounds. So, um, I I have a quick question though. mm -hmm. Uh, when you see a murder of crows, do you make friends with them wherever you are or only murders in the building? I haven't watched that show either, but that's a good one. Um, 
Yeah. So I noticed there was a regular uh, murder of crows in my neighborhood. And so I started going out onto my balcony and feeding them, uh, which may or may not. What? Controversial feeding them. Yeah. Why, why is it controversial? That's how you Some people them. think that you shouldn't be feeding local wildlife because it makes them dependent. This is the thing I've heard, I've, heard mixed, I've heard mixed things on this, though. This is I not a judgment. It really didn't cross my mind until tonight. Mm. So I'll get into that. And All I right. may have to stop. We'll see. Um, I feel like I'm going to get either a lot of support or a lot of judgment on this. <laughs> so, or sepudgment. Because it is japort. the internet. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm doing my best here with the, with the situation. And so I, um, oh my gosh, I just got distracted because flux capacitor in the chat said, never listened live before. How do I double speed this so slow? Oh, sorry about <laughs> that flux capacitor. So, oh, go ahead, Veronica. Tell <laughs> us about the um, now I'm distracted. I'm just going to talk slower because I can't think. Um, okay. And so they came by tonight. They come by every night around five o'clock. And so I go out on the deck and I see them flying around. So I go out and I feed them a little bit. I give them some walnuts. I give them some almonds. They clean up everything after them. They never leave anything behind. So it's not like there's food just hanging around. Obviously, bears are a situation here in the Bay Area. I'm not the Bay Area. I don't live there anymore. <laughs> in, in British Columbia. And... Um, So I always make sure to clean up after them if they leave anything. They never do. Uh, And so tonight there were like maybe 20. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I kind of ran out of treats, went back inside, had dinner. We go out later. There are, I kid you not, at least 150 crows outside. Wow. Like (laughs) on three houses, they're on everyone's roofs. They're on my roof. They're in my driveway. They're weighing down trees around my house. They're just like everywhere and all the neighbors are looking around like what's going on where are all these crows come from and i'm like oh my god what have i done <laughs> and so we go we went to go pick some blackberries and we came back and they're literally like in the yard and i can see that my neighbor has like a fruiting tree and uh, i'm not sure what kind of fruit it is it, it can't be lychees but they look kind of like lychees okay that's the only way i knew how to describe them i'll show you a picture later but they're not because we don't live in hawaii or tropical climes obviously and i go back to my house and i look on my deck my deck is littered with these fruits like they have brought me mm. fruit that's so, so I sweet. Go, I know, but it's like torn apart fruit. Yeah, <laughs> so no. I had to go around and pick up all the fruit from all beaks. the decks and from the driveway. There's just berries all over the driveway. And so I had to go out and clean it because I don't want the bears and the raccoons and the skunks yeah. and the coyotes and all the other creatures around here to come eat the stuff. Um, so now I'm kind of second guessing myself, like maybe this wasn't a good idea. Um, I'm very happy it worked, but I don't feel great about it. You know, I don't want them like messing up people's stuff and I don't want them yeah. bringing me food treats. If they want well, to bring now, me tiny if, treats. If you stop giving them the treats, they may they take get mad? Yeah. And when I come outside, they get all excited and they start going, bah, crah, crah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I have a special whistle for them. And when I whistled for them today, they came. So it's like, I don't know. It's like I'm both getting what I want and also getting more than I asked for. It's a, a very clear demonstration of careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. And I also don't want the neighbors to hate me. 
Yeah. I'm okay if they think I'm a weird witch, but I don't want them to be mad at me. That seems that seems right. That seems fair. Like if they want to burn me as a witch, I understand. That's different. If they want to yell at me as a neighbor, I'm less okay with right. that. Right. Yeah. Better to be burned as a witch than yelled at as a neighbor, as the old saying goes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that's my update. Good. Good. Well, um, now I can't wait for the next update to find out <laughs> how you manage to extricate yourself from the 150 crow invasion. That's I've never seen wild. that many crows in one place. We have like, ravens I'm not even joking. here, as I've mentioned before. I mean, at the most a dozen at a time. This That's was wild. Many more than a dozen. The sound was incredible. Um, anyway, okay. So that's what's happening in my life. Uh, let's jump into the quick burns. Kick it off. Gristle McNerd uh, points out that Terry Pratchett's official biography written by himself and after his death for the ending, uh, his longtime assistant and friend Rob Wilkins uh, is out. It's been released. So go forth, Pratchett fans, and enjoy. Excellent. And Jan says from Locust Mag, Amazon has announced changes to a controversial policy which allowed readers to return ebooks for an automatic refund within seven days of purchase, whether they'd read the book or not. Once a new policy is implemented, automatic refunds will be limited to books where under 10% of the book has been read. I feel like that's fair. So, this is apparently something the Authors Guild was pushing for because with mm-hmm. the Amazon return policy, just, just like with actual books. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. people may not know that this is the way the book world works, but if a bookstore returns books unsold, they get compensated for them. They don't have to pay, they don't have to take the loss on any books they don't sell. Same was with Amazon. So if somebody returned the books within the seven days, then the publisher lost that money as, as did the author. Uh, so this will reduce the number of returns because if somebody reads an entire book within seven days and then returns it, that won't work anymore. Yet you have to have not read more than 10%. And because it's an ebook, you can tell. Yeah, I think that that feels that feels reasonable to me. Something I rarely say about Amazon, but feels okay right now. Uh, Mark, let us know that all the authors of the stories in the first cyberpunk anthology called Mirror Shades, the cyberpunk anthology, that's that's the name of it. Uh, it was edited by Bruce Sterling. It's a classic uh, it's, it's been in print for decades, uh, but all the authors have agreed to make the book available to read for free. So Rudy Rucker is hosting the book on his website. You can go to rudyrucker.com slash mirror shades or get the link from our show notes. Uh, <laughs> Mark said, come and get it before the lawyers come calling. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if that's just cheek, uh, or if there is something brewing, but if all of the authors have given their, their agreement, then it should be fine. All right. Hmm. Mark says also, uh, The Iron Gate by Harry Connolly was just released. Funded via Kickstarter, The Iron Gate continues Connolly's entertaining 20 Palaces urban fantasy series. Now, I'm not familiar with this one. No, me either. Thanks for letting us know about it, Mark. Okay, on to Jan. By the way, if it weren't for Jan, Mark, <laughs> uh, we'd have a much shorter Quick Birds today. So thank you for all of these. Uh, Jan says the three winners of the Imagine 2200 short story contest have been announced. The theme for the contest was climate fiction for future ancestors. And the winners are The Metamorphosis of Marie Martin by Nadine Tomlinson, By the Skin of Your Teeth by Gina McGuire, and Seven Sisters by Susan K. Quinn. 
Very cool. And then Jan also says Rachel Britton over at bookriot.com has curated her list of the 25 best space opera books of all time from the galaxy and the ground within by Becky Chambers over Dune by Frank Herbert to the red scholar's wife by Aliette Bobard, Bodard, sorry, Bodard. The Guardian reports about a new science fiction exhibition opening on Thursday, October 6th at the Science Museum in London. It's called Science Fiction, Voyage to the Edge of Imagination, and, and I quote, is an immersive experience in which visitors are taken on an imagined interstellar voyage and which explores connections between science and science fiction on themes including space travel, cyborgs, alien life, and threats to humanity. That sounds super cool. I kind of need to go to England for lots of things, but definitely for that one. Does it say, I, I, I'm not sure if you read the article yet in full, but I'm curious how long it's going to run for, because if it runs long enough, maybe we can go to um, to Scotland for Worldcon next year and go Ooh, to this exhibit. Wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if it was still going to stop off in London? Yeah. It probably won't be, but a yeah, girl can it's probably dream. not going to run that long, but someone report back. Let us know. Yeah, take pictures if you can. If not, just let us know how fun it was because it sounds incredible. Sounds amazing. Jan also says BuzzFeed has released a list of 19 cozy fantasy books for you to curl up with this fall. So if, for example, you want to read stories about fantasy warriors giving up their sword to open up a coffee shop, for example, you can head over to that list. Uh, Book Riot also has a nice fantasy subgenre primer, mentioning everything from a fantasy of manners to magical realism. Uh, so if you want to brush up on your subgenres, head on over there and see what they got going on. I'm curious. All right, I'm gonna at the uh, at the peril of messing up my internet connection, I'm going to click an outside link uh, to see what some of these subgenres are. Uh, an example. Oh God, so many, so many pop-ups, so many <laughs> pop-ups. All right. So we've got some, some obvious ones here. High fantasy. Um, an example of that is the Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon, which is an excellent example. Um, low fantasy. We've I've got, got friends in low, low fantasy. fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> um, low fantasy, uh, for those who don't know, according to Book Riot, at least, is set in our world with all its mundanity, uh, save for a small fantastical detail. Um, so maybe, maybe like the magicians. Do you think that would count as low fantasy or they say like Haruki Murakami? Um, yeah, is an I feel like it's even that. more mundane than that. More mundane. Okay. I think most of us here are familiar with epic fantasy. Um, fantasy of manners is one that we haven't really talked about Gail much. Gail Carragher, right? Mm-hmm. Gail Carragher is a great example. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, which we've, oh, is for under historical fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, with, with also the, you know, I think we've got a few great examples that we've read um, for the book club previously. And then Grimdark. We all know Grimdark. Ah, oh, good old Grimdark. I'm trying to find something that's very unusual. That's something that we really haven't ever uh, science about. fiction fantasy. <laughs> okay. Uh, Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse is an example of science fiction fantasy. Uh, I feel like we did have that problem with figuring out how mm -hmm. that fit in. Yeah. Magical realism. Yeah. So a lot of these that we're, we're familiar with, but I, I love breaking them out like that. I wanted some more random ones like, like, um, elf punk, 
Elf Punk, for yeah, example. Didn't get that <laughs> that detail, did it? <laughs> we could go even deeper. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And I'd love to read this one if I could. Please do. Um, this one comes from uh, Beth Mitchum over on Discord. And she said that two of the three founding members of the Seattle Sword and Laser chapter, Genesee and Brandon, are engaged. Yay! Yay! Oh my gosh. Both had been in the club for a while, and then they met in person at the very first Seattle meeting to discuss Time and Again by Jack Finney in December 2015. Reading and Sword and Laser have been huge parts of their lives, so they wanted to share this news with y'all and say thank you. Here is a picture of the engagement ring that they designed. This was over on our Discord. It's a sapphire sitting in an open book. Oh, the band is made of rose gold, and they plan to get married sometime in 2024. Um, Beth goes on to say that I teased them that I would put this in the slow burn channel. (laughs) Um, Nice. The whole Seattle chapter is so happy for them. They are beautiful together. And we are so happy for them, too. Yes, this is so wonderful. Congratulations. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. We've had sword and laser babies. Now we've had a sword and laser marriage. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. I love, yeah. I love that things like common interests and, and these kinds of shared experiences can really bring people together. And that just warms my, my cold, dead crow filled heart. Yeah. Just a cold, cold metallic sword of a heart. <laughs> so, so many congratulations and thank you for sharing with laser us. Heart for you both. Congratulations. Got weird. That was got I'm a little sorry. weird. It's okay. uh, let's go to John <laughs> K then, who said, next time you're looking for a sci-fi book for the podcast, I'd like to recommend The Silver Ships by S.H. Juka. It's book one in a series of 20. 20 uh, books. <laughs> it's totally space sci-fi written in 2015. It's optimistic and well-written. I'm on book two and I'm loving the series, but book one does have an ending. So it's not a cliffhanger mm. kind of thing where you have to go on to book two. Wow, that's interesting. You know, I have to say, John, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, say that it's not a good series, but I really feel like maybe I would take this review more seriously if you had read at least like the first 10. Yeah. What if it, the first 10, like what if it gets bad? Like, I don't know if I want to, I mean, it is good that it does like kind of, you, you can, and I'm not saying it is bad. I do not know the series. I know nothing about it. I'm just totally Josh and you. I just think it's funny. There's a 20 book series. like (laughs) It's, you know, it's meant for Kindle. So I I get where it becomes a 20 book series, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's probably, I don't even know how long they are, but but it's that is a thing in, in Kindle. They're like episodic, except he's saying there's not a cliffhanger ending. So they're self-contained books. You can actually buy one. the entire 20 book series for $75 and 80 cents. Nice. Because <laughs> they're $3 each. So they're like, just want to buy them cool. all at once. Here you go. Sometimes I just, I want to read like fast, fun stuff like that. So mm. that is, that's, that's right in my, in my alley. I'm actually going to go back to that cozy book list later because I have finished the, the this month's pick already and I want to read some feel good feel good books. When did you feel get good about fast the world? at reading books? When did this happen? I've You're read already the first done and with second this month's book already book? and the second book in the series. I did oh. read them really fast. I had one sleepless night and that got me through the first oh, one. I feel like these books are really fast reads. I don't know why. All right, all right. 
Anyway. Yeah. So John K, keep us up to date. Let us know when you get to the end of the 20. We want to know. Yeah. I need um, updates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mark C says the Spellmonger is another book selection uh, that he liked by Terry Mancour. It's arguably one of the best series ever written. Whoa. Also check out Throne of Glass by Sarah Moss. Both are excellent readings. I have heard so many good things about Throne of Glass. Um, and so I'm really interested because I've, I've heard really good things mm-hmm. from people who don't normally read fantasy. And so I'm very curious hmm. to hear what perhaps you know, this is not no judgment about people who don't normally read fantasy, but I'm curious what are people in the audience who do read a lot of fantasy who have read this also think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like, does it cater more to a wider audience or is it like, what, what about it is so appealing to the non-traditionally fantasy reading? Yeah. What groups? made it so buzzy mm-hmm. with everybody else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd, I'd be a good way of putting it. Makes me think of the Blondie song. Except heart of instead of heart of glass, throne of glass. I like it. Mm-hmm. Kassan Warad uh, wrote on Twitter: While you're right to ask fans of a certain IP to switch from anticipatory anger when a book is adapted to the screen, <laughs> those who yeah. want to bring said book to the screen are doing so because of the baked-in popularity and the fan base. It makes no sense to then gut the book and change it under the guise of artistic freedom. If the finished product only loosely resembles the source material, why do it? Just make an original production. Don't hijack an established IP. I understand that perspective. I think it's a less generous perspective, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I think there is space for people to take the, the world building or to take a, to take a story and build off of it. Um, but I understand, I, I don't know. I think there's room for both. Yeah. I sometimes adaptations have to adapt. Sometimes adaptations have to adapt. It's an adaptation right right there in the word. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Uh, things don't work for the screen that work on the page. Exactly. Right. Uh, one one of the biggest examples of this that I give is, uh, in your head narration works great in a book. I thought Mm -hmm. to myself, self, you know, uh, I should go over there and beat that tiger. But then I thought, well, wait a minute, that tiger doesn't deserve it. Uh, what did that tiger ever do to me? That, that works great on a page that works horribly in a movie. The, the movie rule is show don't tell. And so would you do, you could do narration in a movie and it can be used for artistic effect, but it doesn't work the way it works in a book. So you have to adapt certain things to Kassan's point. If you are making it for the fan base though, and you go beyond just that adaptation. If you mm-hmm. like change whole characters and plot lines and the fans are like, well, wait, why did you get rid of the thing I liked that you didn't have to do that for the movie? Uh, that, that can be very frustrating. I, I can, I can see where they're coming from to say like, well, hold on. If you want the fan base to enjoy this and spread the word, then don't take it too far. All, all I was saying, and Kassan acknowledges this, is don't assume that's what they're going to do until you've seen it. If they, if you watch it and you're like, yeah, they didn't do do right by us, then I think that's fair to express your opinion. I will also just throw in Blade Runner <laughs> as an example of something that is mm-hmm. entirely unfaithful to the original, does great violence to the narrative and the characters and even the world building of Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, doesn't even keep the name Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and I love them both. Blade Runner's amazing. 
do Android stream of electric sheep is amazing. They're just, they're two different things. And that's a, maybe an exception that proves the rule, but to show that, well, sometimes when you depart, you end up with something good. Yeah. I like that. I like that analogy. I think that's a really, a very fitting one. Um, and you're right. It doesn't always work. It's not always going to happen adeptly. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. I think I have to take it on a case by case basis, I guess. Totally. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who either wrote in or tweeted or sent us messages. And also for all the people out there who sent in our quick burns. And if you want to submit to quick burns, I forgot to say this earlier, uh, you can do so either by uh, adding links to our thread over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser or over on our discord in the channel called quick burns. Should we hop into our book talk? Let's do it. So we are kicking off. We will be non-spoilery, even though Veronica's apparently read the whole series now. You know, <laughs> she'd only read two books earlier in the episode uh, today, but by now she's probably finished all of them. There's uh, only two books in the series. That's what's amazing is uh, Tasha Suri hasn't even finished the third book and yet somehow Veronica has finished it. But uh, we are going to non-spoilery kick off the Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri. What are your non-spoilery thoughts, Veronica? This is tough. Um, but I, I just want to say like the, the blurbs that Tasha Suri has gotten for this novel are pretty impressive. We have uh, a blurb from Alex E. Harrow, an intimate, complex, magical study of empire and the people caught in its bloody teeth. I loved it. We've got R.F. Kuang gripping and harrowing from the very start. We've got Shelley Parker Chan. Story's incandescent feminist masterpiece hits like a steel fist inside a velvet glove. Simply magnificent. And yeah, a lot of great, great reviews for this novel. Um, And I just thought it was really excellent and different and intense. Um, But we're not doing a review today, obviously. We're not doing a wrap up. Um, Ooh, Tamahome wants to know what your blurb would be. Because a blurb is meant to get someone who hasn't read it interested Folks, it takes me so long to come up with a blurb. Oh, like really? I cannot, I cannot <laughs> blurb on a dime. Like I, it takes me forever. So I don't want to be quoted on this. I'll try to come up with something for the next episode for the wrap up episode. Um, yeah, I, I think it's probably wise not to blurb on a dime. Yeah, you yeah. Know? You want your blurb. That's the to, title, isn't it? To at least have twenty five cents worth. A blurb on a dime. Or, or for Veronica, uh, blurb on a toonie. A toonie. Yeah. Got a blurb on a toonie. I had to like buy a a change purse because I was like, now there's like important money in my change. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Anyway, you're still using physical money up there. That's a whole separate conversation that I feel like I need to have about how like everyone, like there is physical money, but everyone uses tap and that's great. But Venmo doesn't exist up here. And Mm. so the only thing that you can use, at least in BC that I'm aware of is like the interbank transfers, the interact. Mm -hmm. And it's like really slow and kind of a pain in the butt. And I went to go buy something from someone on Facebook marketplace the other day. And I was like, Oh, do you take interact? And they were like, no, I can only take cash. I'm American. I never got my stuff set up. And I was like, I'm American. Do you take Venmo? And she was like, oh my God, I do take Venmo. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's hilarious. It's a Um, big, it's a a surprisingly like big adjustment I've had to make. (laughs) So it works up there. It's just nobody uses it. 
it works up here, but yeah. nobody can connect their Canadian bank accounts to it. Oh, got it. Okay. I yeah. see. So if you have American bank accounts, you can use it. Right, right. Uh, well, back to the Jasmine Throne by Tasha Siri. <laughs> we told you we wouldn't be spoilery. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you that this is a rich cake of a novel. Uh, I am not near close to done, uh, but I have started it. And it feels like, you know, I, I, I described Murakami as bathing in a world like, mm-hmm. you know, plot just kind of bubbled around you. Uh, this has got a solid plot. So it's not like bathing in that respect, but it's rich. And even though you know you're progressing towards uh, events, uh, I just love the world. This this is the kind of story where I don't mind that Tasha Suri sometimes takes us off on a little side quest uh, and 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 shows us a little piece of the of the palace or or a little little neck of the woods that that you know may not be a hundred percent essential to the advancement of the story, but is a hundred percent essential to creating the really rich atmosphere uh, of this book. And, and mm-hmm. yet I never am disappointed by where the story is going. I'm not, I never feel lost. Uh, I feel like we are always making progress. I never feel adrift. Uh, it's, it's quite a feat and it's, it's quite a beautiful book. You know, it's interesting because I had started reading this before we announced it as a pick and, you know, sorry. Um, and some of the comments in the initial kickoff thread, where people didn't want to read it because it's so brutal. Um, And it was, I really thought about it after I saw those comments because we had just come off, you know, a a very intense book, um, how, how high we go in the dark. Mm -hmm. And I had a real hard time getting that book started because of the themes therein. Weirdly, there are some similar themes in this novel mm-hmm. presented a little bit differently, I would say, and to different ends um, as well. And I did not have the same reaction. And I didn't realize that until other readers on Goodreads were, were saying that they were not going to read it because of those themes. And I was like, oh, weird. I wonder, is it because how high we go in the dark felt again, maybe more like that magical realism or that more like, you know, kind of like our world, um, but just, you know, slightly different with fantastical elements versus this world that does feel more like a, almost like a high fantasy kind of Mm -hmm. world. And I, that was really interesting to me. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why it was different. Um, but yeah, I I got through it, I guess. It was very difficult. I mean, there's definitely some some tough scenes for sure. Um and emotional scenes. Yeah. How, yeah. I don't know. How, how high we go in the dark was more real. Uh I I much more understand a visceral reaction to how high we go in the dark because it's ripped from the headlines in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's, it's and something we had recently gone through. In I many guess ways. low sci-fi would be a way to, yeah, yeah, to call it. In yeah. other words, it's like, it's our world, but with a few things that happen different. Um, mm-hmm. 
and and so I'm 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 very sympathetic to that, and not that I'm unsympathetic to the Jasmine Throne, but uh, if if this has got trigger warnings on it that you are not okay with, you shouldn't read it. I, I, I totally yeah. understand that, and give it a miss, and don't feel bad about it. Uh, this is a fantasy world, though, so. If you have a good reason for not reading it, I, I will repeat that. Don't feel bad. On the other hand, if if you're someone who's like, oh, I just don't want an intense book. Uh, it sounds painful. Maybe, maybe give it a try. And, and again, this, this is a decision you have to make carefully for, for yourself. But if it's not as serious to you or it's not a particular thing and you're just like, oh, I don't know if I want to read that, I, I think it. I think it also pays off. How high we go in the dark also paid off in a big way. But I, I would encourage you to to understand that it, I think one of the reasons, Veronica, that maybe this didn't hit you quite the same way as how high we go in the dark is because it is in a fantasy world. Um, yeah. So, so and also I think the, it's the chapter, you know, chapter two. You know? Yeah. yeah. Chapter two that we all had a lot of trouble with in How High We Go in the Dark. Mm-hmm. They spent a lot of time developing the the young character and like yeah. really getting us very attached to him. It's a little more ambiguous in in Jasmine Throne. Um, Certainly in so the early parts why. of the book, it's a lot of yeah. allusion to horrible things that happened right. in the past. Um, and I know that that, that then changes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I feel like it's got a little more padding around it. But again, uh, I, I'm not trying to push anyone into reading it, no, but if you were on the fence, if you're on the fence, uh, you might want to give it a try because it's, it is a little, it is, it is a little differently presented. Um, and, and, and to the broader audience, if, if you don't have a problem, I think it's important to read challenging things that are uncomfortable because it makes us think and it helps us experience and it helps us have empathy. Uh, so if, if you can do it without harm, I, I encourage it. To be done because that that's a just a, a good way to to broaden your sense of the world. A hundred percent. So one one uh, real quick uh, comment from Ian over on Goodreads was about it the world feeling small, and this is actually something I did think about uh, when I started reading it. I'll just read his his comment, which is okay. for books set in a fantasy analog of India, the Jasmine Throne struck me as being on a very small scale. The book is set up as a continent-spanning conflict involving an empire made up of small kingdoms or city-states. Yet the characters nonchalantly stroll from one kingdom to the next. Hmm. The battles are relatively small scale with opposing forces, having what feels like handfuls of fighters. This is taking the chosen one route to ridiculous extremes. I would have expected armies of tens of thousands at a minimum, historically could go up to over 100,000. The mismatch between the implied scale and the described scale is quite jarring. This type of thing is common in fantasy books, the bit they do not take from Tolkien, who has his characters trekking slowly everywhere. And this is a case where a larger scale could have really improved the book. I don't know. I don't know if it could have really improved the book. I think... Uh, um, It may have met Ian's expectations better and improved the book for him. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, I did notice that it did seem like it took a surprisingly short amount of time to go from one place to another. But it's kind of a small quibble. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It didn't impact my enjoyment of the story. But I, I was like, oh. I hmm. am stunned because I have not thought of this book as an army battle epic fantasy book at all. Are you done? Uh, I'm not. Okay. But that's not why. Uh, I have thought of this book as a personal relationship book. Mm-hmm. And 
the battles and and things are so, and 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 travels uh, are unimportant to the main story. The main story is relationships and struggles and interpersonal and power relationships. So to me, it's like, well, if they got bogged down in in being about the battles, that would be an entirely different book. Right. Right. And it um, would probably th- be a great book. That becomes more prevalent. And, and yeah. Ian, w- Ian would like it. But but to me, those those parts of the book serve to as a vehicle for the main characters to explore that relationship. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And I think that's, I think that's what some of the other commenters like Seth and perhaps, Mm. um, Oaken kind of touched on. Um, so definitely go check out that thread and, and comment yourself if you agree or disagree. Excellent. Uh, but anyway, uh, we will get actually spoilery next time. So uh, read on up and and come back then and and we'll tell you what we really think. (laughs) 100%. And hopefully I will still remember having read this book because I will be like six books down the line from then. I'll probably be on book 17 of of John's suggestion by then, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll finish the whole thing. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And hey, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back us. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. All right. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser or hop over on our Discord. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!